fine. You're right. It's Johnny Brick. Johnny, uh, here we are. Yes. Wicked. It's going to be really difficult to keep this down to about an hour, but I'm going to try. Okay. <laughs> Where are you in the world? Uh, Bromley, Kent. Yeah, I thought so. Just, because... just up the road from the school that produced this Emma tennis player. Oh, Blues really? My daughter went to the same school. Wow. I, I didn't realise yeah. Emma was... Inga, I thought she was a transplant and we've kind of Rosetskied or Lennox lewis her. British. She's, yeah, isn't yeah, it amazing? Yeah. And this keeps happening. We claim the Brits when we want them to be. It's famously, whenever Andy Murray loses, it's Scottish tennis player Andy Murray, who learned in yeah. Florida. Um, can we actually start there? Because you have, um, Brian, oh, I can't remember, Scovel or Scovel? Uh, well, when I joined the Daily Sketch in May 1959, the uh, sports editor was rather worried about uh, a 20-young uh, uh, reporter from the Isle of Wight who's never seen only uh, one county cricket and only two Portsmouth football matches. He uh, gave me a, a, a nom de plume, Rex Bryan. I think he thought about uh, Rex Harrison, the, the uh, film star yes. at the time about two or three months uh, I got on a good scoop on the back page and I said to Solid Channel of the sports editor can you use my name he said okay so the next day I was in the YMCA in Croydon where I lodged Uh, I picked up the daily sketch and it said Brian Scavell rhymes with shovel so all the journalists uh, said oh in the mix saying, uh, oh, you're dig- digging the dirt. <laughs> so for about uh, a few weeks, I uh, uh, found myself ridiculed. Well, that's so it's, only two it's weeks. Scovel. Scovel. It's Scovel in, uh, in the posh area, but in the Isle of it's Scovel. It's a place from Normandy. It came over with 1066 with William the Conqueror. That is, and it, that's brilliant. The name is Escavil, near Caen in Normandy. Brian Scovell, there we go. Uh, you are on from the Isle of Wight, where I've never been. Oh. And when did you last go? Uh, well, I've been ill for the last seven months, uh, and in hospital, in and out of hospitals, and I'm just recovering. I've got my feet uh, uh, suspended uh, because uh, my feet are swollen so I have to uh, keep my feet up to uh, reduce the swelling. Like Jimmy Greaves's. I read in in this book, Thank You Herman Goering, The Life of a Sports Writer, that Jimmy Greaves has two different sized feet because of the injury that he sustained. Was it in the World Cup? That's right. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, You're I sped through it. Uh, it's a book that came out in 2012, I think, on um, Amberley. And this is, as you, you told me before we went on air, 130,000 words. Uh, and it's, it, it's an example of how to cram a life into two pages. And we're not going to touch too much on the cricket, just because I don't want to keep you too long. 
uh, because you're retired now. You don't you don't need the stress and strain. Uh, but oh, I don't. I don't mind. Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, but the kind of names that I want to get to in this hour are Bella Gutman, Eusebio, Stan Flashman, Jimmy Greaves, Brian Moore, Brian Glanville, Lord Ted Dexter, um, yeah. and Leary Constantine. So those are the names, and if we don't get to them, I apologise, but you can read about them all uh, in Thank yeah. You, Herman Goering, uh, Brian Scovell's yeah. Life of a Sports Writer. Can I do Ted Dexter first, just because he's just passed away? He died in August. Um, yeah, yeah. And all the obituaries seem to display that he was one of the gentlemen of English cricket. Yes, but he was a, rather aloof when he was younger. And uh, I wrote a small piece in the Times the last Monday after he died. In uh, an incident in 1962 when he was captain of England in Australia. And he came into the hotel lobby and walked in upstairs, uh, ignored the uh, manager. So uh, the manager, R.V. Robbins, the great character, was the manager, and he sat down and wrote a a letter addressed to Dexter. It it said, Dear Dexter, that bald-headed git you passed by and ignored was your boss, so we pay attention in future. Uh, I had another story in the uh, Times as well uh, about uh, Ted was a known, he always called me Scoop, but he never actually gave me a scoop. <laughs> so when I wrote my uh, definitive uh, life story of uh, Jim Laker, the great, uh, who uh, I used to write his ghosts, ghostwrite his columns in the uh, Daily Sketch. And I said to Dexter at the Hilton Hotel in London at uh, the Cricket Writers' Dinner, and in came Ted and his wife Sue, very nice lady, model, former model. And uh, I I said to Jim, uh, to to Ted, have you got any original anecdotes about Jim Laker? And he said, I'm off duty. I said, what do you mean? He said, uh, I'm not uh, working at the moment. I said, well, you, 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 uh, you should have a story or two. So Sue, his wife, said, come on, uh, Ted. Uh, Brian knows you very well. He ought to come up with one or two. Oh, no, Ted said, I'm, I'm not working. Anyway, when he was sacked by uh, the ECB, uh, when he came out with uh, a weird description saying that England's defeat was attributed towards the uh, position of the Saturn in the place of uh, the moon, they always, everyone thought he was bonkers. When he was sacked, a friend of mine, photographer Dave Shopland, who's still going strong, tipped me off that Ted Dexter was playing that day, the following day when he was sacked in Surrey at a golf club. So I whizzed down there, sat on the 18th green near the clubhouse, and coming towards me was Ted. We sat down and had a cup of tea, and uh, I said, uh, have you uh, got a statement about this? 
He said, oh, no, 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 no. He, but he, uh, I think he thought that uh, I'd uh, persevered, which is one of my secrets as a journalist. You have to persevere mm -hmm. and keep going. Uh, I, I got a couple of lines uh, out of him and uh, put it over to the Daily Mail. But it wasn't a very satisfactory interview. But he, he was a great character, a great innovator, and uh, came up with some terrific ideas about the game, also the statistics in cricket. He, I was at Lords in 1966 when uh, he scored that century, uh, 70 in as many minutes. Uh, in those days, there were no side screens at Lords, wow. and uh, it was it was very uh, cloudy, light for bad, and everyone uh, were out. Dexter, so he came out, shots came out like rifle bullets, uh, hitting uh, the, the fastest bowler in the world at that time, Wes Hall, who later became a minister, and Charlie Griffith. That was the greatest innings, short innings, I think I've ever seen in, in cricket in terms of uh, the conditions. Cavalier of uh, sport, and uh, uh, there will never be another Ted Dexter. Oh, he would have fitted the current age. And I imagine that innings is covered in Conquest of 66, which is a book that unites football yes. and cricket, because you covered cricket for the Daily Sketch, which is one of those old newspapers that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, it shattered yeah. in 1971, but it was a Rothermere publication. I just want to read um, from your book. This is an amazing description. Um, the you're in uh, Northcliffe House, where I've been in. I actually sat an interview at the Metro once. Didn't get the job, but what a great building. Um, inside the editorial floor, you write, there was a gabble of noise, people shouting and cursing, typewriters crackling away, bits of news being rushed from one point to another by an overhead carriage system. Cigarette and cigar butts and paper of all kinds littered the place. Telephones were constantly ringing and reporters were scribbling down details about the next day's stories. They'd tap out their piece, rip the paper out the typewriter and shout, copy! Young boys would arrive, take the copy and take it to the sub-editor's room for editing. It's a bygone era. And the whole... Yeah. But this is the great... I mean, I'm in Watford and we have the Sun Printers. Well, have you been to the Sun Printers, actually? Sun Printers? Yeah, no. right, Yeah, very near Vicarage Road. Um, and that is where Watford survived the recession because we still had the print runs in the 80s. Yeah. They're now flats. But this era of newspapers, uh, which Brian Glanville uh, also worked in, is fascinating because it doesn't exist anymore. When was the no, last time you right. went into a newsroom? Was it in about 2000 when you were still at the mail? Yes. I've got a picture of uh, on the wall of uh, the staff being told when they would uh, join the Daily Mail when Sketch was uh, eliminated. Uh, and uh, the managing editor announced that uh, if anyone wants to uh, get a letter from the uh, current le uh, editor of the Daily Mail, uh, now or uh, or posted. So uh, I was the only person who put my hand up saying uh, I'll get it in, in post. So I was in the bath next day when my wife Audrey uh, came into the room and uh, 
opened it up and uh, I was retained for the Zadie sketch basically because uh, Sir David English was uh, a great editor and uh, of the uh, Daily Mail. He uh, wanted young uh, whippersnappers, mm. uh, keen, not high salaries. All the... Uh, it was ever thus. Uh, people like uh, Brian James was sacked, unfortunately. Uh, so I carried on. I went to his funeral, David English, and Margaret Thatcher was there, a lot of ministers in 800 in St. Mary's in uh, Trafalgar Square, when suddenly the Peter Tatchell and the Stonewall group invaded the church, shouting uh, abuse about David English because he, uh, they thought he wrote too much about uh, homosexuals. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the service was uh, interrupted. That doesn't. Pro- I've seen Peter Tatchell speak. He is a very famous gay rights activist who is now a subject of his own uh, anti-activism. It's a uh, strange how uh, dog bites dog. Uh, but yes, you've been. I, I must congratulate you because, according to your book, sixty-five years ago this week, you wrote your first piece for the Mail. It was about housing, I think. That is sixty-five years, which doesn't compute. This was a time even before Cliff Richard. So in your lifetime, the culture has changed, the nature of job has changed. Is there anything from that world, the rock and roll era, that you wish Um, had stayed into today? Yeah, my first piece was about dogs fouling on the pavements in Ventnor in the Isle Isle of Wight, where I lived and uh, was born. They caused uproar in the uh, Isle of Wight Mercury, which was a small paper with about 2,000 circulation, old ladies writing in saying, uh, how dare the man write this article criticizing, taking their dogs out. And it was a a very hilly place in Ventnor. So Alexander Fleming, who invented penicillin, had a house nearby. And uh, when I had my accident, when I went to hospital in 1943 and left me with a permanent stiff leg for the rest of my life, uh, and I had uh, septic arthritis, uh, which was a bit of a killer in those days. And uh, I was one of the first people to uh, take uh, penicillin in that era. But uh, uh, two years were in hospitals. And one was in Alton, and, and it was called the Lord Traylor Cripples Sick uh, Hospital. C- cripples, you would never use a word yeah, like that. Got that got phased out a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. And yet, some words, um, well, maybe I should ask this, because yet again, there's this uh, need to update the past so it fits in with the present. I imagine you don't agree with all of that. For instance, the drinking culture in Fleet Street in the 70s, which is wiped oh. out now, it's good yeah. It's it's good that that's left to the past. The Tuesday Club at Arsenal, it's brilliant that that's in the past. But are there aspects of the past that should be dragged into the present? I'm thinking of kind of manners and courtesy. Uh, well, no, I think in those days people were quite polite. The jokes were a bit more coarse than 
didn't take any notice because of my stiff leg. And uh, I, I, my mum said, oh, don't worry, uh, you can do what they can do. Childhood was fascinating on the Isle of Wight. You're a son of a carpenter who was one of 11 kids. Your mum was abandoned aged four and got polio. And yeah. you write in your book that it was a four-mile round trip to get food from the local allotment. Four-mile round trip. So just to get dinner, it would take an hour. And if you're saying yeah. that Isle of Wight was hilly, you must have been fitter than a Stradivarius. In I States. know, they were. Well, uh, Charles Dickens died. He stayed in the Isle of Wight for, oh, yeah. for many summers. And he uh, always used to climb the 800-foot St Boniface Dam which I uh, went up uh, several times with the scouts. He died at the age of 59, I think. People said, oh, he was too much going up the uh, hill. And that was the hill where the radar station was uh, positioned, where my father worked building the uh, pylons, which the Luftwaffe tried to bomb. Uh, Actually, they only put out... uh, action of the uh, radar station only one day because the uh, Luftwaffe uh, Fokker Wolf aircraft were a bit erratic with their bombing. Bombing landed near my house and blew out glass from the greenhouse next door. And that's why uh, my knee was injured. And uh, the, the doctor was a, a bit of a, a drinker and a, a and uh, he put me on the kitchen table to sew it up very badly and two days later I was rushed into hospital with intensive care. Yeah. No fun whatsoever. And this, this is the era when you spent six years with gas masks and evacuation. Obviously you, there was no evacuation for you because you're already on an island but were there evacuees sent to the Isle of Wight? We looked at the ships being bombed in, uh, in the English Channel and uh, my brother and I, we found a huge, great round mirror and at the top of the garden, they used to, we used to uh, show the uh, mirror to uh, reflect on the sea. And my mum said, one day the, the Germans will bomb you when they see your um, uh, sun being shown on the... So she was probably right. No matter what we think of the last 18 months, it's not a war. Would that there were some statesmen in charge. And amazingly, in a Z, you know, uh, Woody Allen's film Zelig, the idea of being everywhere, seeing everyone. Princess Diana is on the front of this book, uh, as is Bobby Robson, who himself is a saint. But you've got <laughs> Pope John Paul II, uh, Stanley Matthews. Uh, there's a really nice um, set of um, words about both Jim Callahan and. John Major, and there's a chapter about John Redwood, which is when I got... When I was first aware of politics, it was Redwood and Major. Redwood and Haig. In Haig. Nice, yeah, in 97. Uh, Haig is now in the House of Lords. Um, which is uh, yes. Plus, plus I, I, I've never met uh, um, William Haig, but... Um, You'll have met Major I, because of the MCC connection. Yes. Uh, I think uh, I, I was in the room with someone, uh, with him there. Yes. But I didn't actually speak to William Hague. But uh, Wilbur, Wilberforce, the man who um, brought in the act, 
1832 about slaves, yeah. ending slaves. And I've been to that school, Pocklington, in uh, near York, and uh, there's a very small statue of uh, William Wilberforce. And also my uh, latest book about Leary Constantine, I'm in, uh, in a campaign yes. to uh, build a statue in uh, the... Uh, Is it Durham? Durham. Yeah. Did he play for Durham? Uh, Okay. Yeah. This yeah. is this has to as quickly quickly now because I, even a great life. Uh, he was. Um, I can't remember who whom the great life was. You may have been on the show uh, because you've written this book. But yes, the first black member of the House of Lords. Uh, famously, he what was it? He couldn't Please. believe that he wasn't allowed in a boarding house. Yeah, hotel and. It was the first time he captained the West Indies mm-hmm. as a black man at Lords. And uh, on the night he arrived with his family, the manageress said, you'll have to leave n- the next day because the GIs were uh, staying in the same hotel and they resented to seeing a black first family. So uh, as a look, uh, Q, uh, QC... He yes. uh, took it to the High Court and won the case, and uh, that was led. He helped to uh, draft the uh, Race Relations Act in mm-hmm. 1960s. And we, we know statues are all the rage now, and statues are being pulled down, but as a, there seem very few decent men untainted by anything, and in terms well, of both being a cricketer, being an ambassador for the Caribbean... Uh, just that this chap has to has to be memorialised in somewhere other than the name only in this book that you've written. I will try and seek out a copy. Uh, it, who's it published by? This book. Um, the book guild. Ooh, okay. Uh, I had to uh, contribute towards the publication of it because uh, thirty-seven publishers turned it down. Oh, for God's Incredible. sake! Yeah. But, uh, they wouldn't turn it down uh, now. Many... If, you, if you've been to a bookshop, there are entire shelves, unfortunately, almost demarcating black literature. And it does look a bit like a quota. Tomorrow on Channel 4, they've got like a black day, a day uh-huh. of black programming. That's, that's good, but we need the integration, as Constantine what? would probably say. 37 publishers turned it down. It's publishing, media, journalism. It's... It's necessary, but it is also fashion, and also if you don't do it, it's the fear of not doing it. And yeah. I don't know if, how old your grandchildren are, and if they're at university now, or they've been to university. My, my grandson is 16, he's uh, still at uh, grammar school. Ah, and I, yeah. hope, I hope he's read your books. But yes, yeah, the world as it is for a young person is very different. Um, would you, if you were 30 years younger, would you be on Twitter? Would you be breaking news there? Oh, well, there's loads in Parliament Square, and there's ten? Are there ten in Parliament Square? And then loads dotted about the palace? No, there are 300, nearly all military people, Mm -hmm. and of the 300, four are black. One is Mandela. Yes. Gandhi. Uh, Gandhi, yes. Suffragette. Uh, Uh, Yes. And uh, a nurse from 
the crime Mary. Mary Seacole, yes. Yes, that's right, yes. Pathetic. So uh, there's a bit of a, 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 a well, I managed to uh, get a bust exhibited uh, in the House of Lords, but no one sees it. So you really need to tell the story uh, on a, um, outside when the children, uh, I mean, I was there when um, there was a protest of uh, children and there were about 10,000 there in Parliament Square and statues uh, properly uh, written uh, to tell the story of decent yeah. people rather than people who are killing people. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Statues seem to be... It's propaganda. It's, yeah. it's how you twist history to your own gain. I can't imagine the yeah. current Prime Minister having a statue. And indeed, one thing I'm not having in the football library, which is why we're here, we're here to induct all of your books into the football library, and you get your laminated library card, uh, and it will have Tom Phillips on it. Um, it's a sad story because you, Tom Phillips was a, a writer, and you saw him getting some expenses or getting some money out. You didn't say anything to him, and then he passed away. But um, this, you obviously read a lot of Tom's work when you were in hospital because you said you just devoured everything, reading yeah. books. Um, did Tom Phillips teach you by osmosis how to craft a sentence or? have a good lead, have a good first para? Um, well, the best one was Ian Wardridge. He, he, so he was hear. a master. No, I hear and he's he, very told, he told the story in a paragraph and also gave his opinion. Uh, Tom Phillips wasn't in the same class as, as uh, Ian. Do you think but, it's because... Uh, sorry, is it because he was working pre-Glanville? I don't like to bang on about Glanville because God knows his ego doesn't need it. But Glanville was the one who imported football criticism from Paris and and Central Europe. And so Tom was writing before. Waldridge was writing at the same time and after Glanville. And you do that as well in your journalism. It's uh, subjective objectivity, I call it. So you stick you in it and then you pull away and tell the story. Yes, um, I know Glanville wrote some very good books, uh, Cliff Baston, The Histories of the World Cup. Yep. Uh, very, very diligent uh, journalist. Uh, the best story about him was playing in a Daily Mail uh, match against his team, uh, Casuals. We had Tommy Doherty playing, Tommy Harmer, Graham Root, the goalkeeper, Stewart, the England cricketer, uh, very strong side, and uh, Hugh McIlvarney, uh, the Sunday Times and the Observer sports writer who's been honoured so several times, uh, was playing in the Glanville's team. Uh, early on in the match, it was a very wet pitch in uh, New Malden. Tommy Doherty slid in into McIlvarney, knocked him up right into the air, leaving him sprawling in the mud. He looked, Hugh looked up and said, uh, I think it was a friendly uh, Tommy, was it? And Doherty said, there's no such thing as a friendly. Which is true, uh, completely true. I'm I'm with Tommy Dock, not in some things, of course. Uh, And after the break, in the second half, we'll be talking about some other famed managers, cricketers and journalists. So don't go away.